Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Not everyone's called to be married. And God blesses people outside of marriage in wonderful ways. You see, the things that married people can find in marriage are the things that unmarried people are to be able to find in the church. See, because God's picture of the church is a family. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 10, verses 1 through 16, in a message titled, God, Creation, Marriage, and Family. Now, here's Pastor Brian. There is never the slightest hint anywhere in Scripture that marriage is anything other than a relationship between a man and a woman. Never even the remotest hint. So to try to impose that now on the scripture is exactly that. It's an imposition from the outside that actually has no basis in the text whatsoever. And so these are all tough questions, right? These are all challenging issues. These are all hotly debated topics and all kinds of emotion and everything is wrapped up with all of these things that we just mentioned. So how do we respond to these kinds of things? And, and let me just give you one suggestion that I think if you keep this as the, the basis for your response, I think that from there, God will help us to navigate the rest of it. When it comes to responding to tough questions, we should always start with God. See, that's where we have to start. We have to start with God. Because as I said a moment ago, if there is no God, then you're kind of free to just make up the rules yourself. So we start with God. Since I believe there is a God and he has spoken, I'm going to stand on what he says. That, that's where we start. We have to take people back to this place. Is homosexuality wrong or sin if there's no God? No. How could it be? I mean, it's just your opinion versus my opinion. Is transgenderism wrong? If there's no God, then I guess, you know, if we're all just a, a, a product of random chance and so forth, and you don't like who you are externally, and it doesn't correspond to who you feel like internally, and you want to change that, well, why not do it? You see, if there's no God, then it's pretty much just open. But everything's open if there's no God. But if there's a God who is the creator and he has spoken, then we need to listen to what he says. And I believe there is a God. I believe that he's spoken. I believe that he's spoken about all of these things and he has to answer to these questions. And so... As we speak with people, let's always bring it back to that foundational point. There is a God. Now, you might not believe there's a God, but I do believe there's a God. And I personally think the evidence for God is much stronger than your arguments against any evidence that God doesn't exist. And, and that's kind of another debate, right? But... 
that is a good, I think, uh, a starting point for navigating these things. Now, let me say this. What we cannot do, what we have to guard against doing is becoming angry and hostile and just a, a blanket condemnation. We, we have to be really wise. I don't know that there's ever been a time when Christians need more wisdom than we need today on how to respond to those things because the very people in some cases that are promoting so many ideas that are contrary to God's picture of reality let's not forget that some of those people could very well be people that God is going to draw to himself. Because God loves those people too, right? And he, Jesus died to save those people. And even though they might do, be doing that right now for that thing that is clearly contrary to scripture, through love and grace and patience and mercy and kindness and reason and the power of the spirit, those very people could be the ones that God will turn around. I think I told the story before, but a few years ago, we had a situation at our festival in the UK where a transgender a man who transitioned to be a woman had signed up to be part of our ministry team. And suddenly we're faced with this right on the spot. What do we do? And, you know, after prayer and thinking about it, the Lord just said, just don't do anything. Just go with it and love. And I'll tell you, by the end of the week, that person's response was, I've never felt so much love and I have never understood the Bible like I understand it from my time here this week. Now, I don't know what happened after that, but we just, that's how we navigated it as we prayed. And so God will give us wisdom and grace and those things that we need. So, but let, let's move on. So let's move on to the primary issue here, obviously, is this um, challenge of the religious leaders to Jesus about divorce. And so they want to know if they're free to divorce their wives for any reason. Now, at the time... There were two leading philosophies in the culture regarding this that came down from two leading rabbinical authorities. One came down from the school of Shammai, and Shammai was a more rigid and strict position that um, it, it, divorce was allowed only under extreme circumstances. The other one came down from a man named Hillel, and it was a much more liberal position. And it was pretty much that, you know, if you found anything in your wife that dissatisfied you, you were free to divorce her. Now, guess which one was the most popular in the culture? It was the view of Hillel. It was that view that I can put away my wife uh, if she, it just doesn't please me in whatever area. So this is the, the context of the, the question and the response of Jesus. So see what Jesus does? He goes all the way back to the beginning. He says, well, let's just go back to God. 
And let's go back to what God intended. Forget Hillel, forget Shammai, forget even what happened with Moses because Moses permitted you to do this because your hearts were hard. But let's go back to what God intended. And so there are just a few things that I want us to see here. And I've already spoken about one of them, but let me just say it again. The Bible teaches that God invented marriage. Marriage is God's thing. God created this institution, if you will. And since it's God's institution, it, it, we are not free to adjust it according to our likes or dislikes. Now, some years ago when I was studying on the subject of marriage, I was reading different theories about where marriage originated. And there are a bunch of different ideas. And um, I, I think the most popular one was that uh, marriage originated among the French. And, you know, probably during the Middle Ages. And you thought, okay, well, yeah, the French are kind of known for being romantic and all of that. So, so but, th- but this is kind of the conventional wisdom. The French began marriage and and now, you know, we are just taking it to another level or whatever it is that we might be doing. But no, the French didn't invent marriage. God did. Way back in the very beginning. And that's what Jesus reminds them of. And, and remember that Jesus himself performed his very first miracle at a wedding. So in a sense, Jesus, by performing his first miracle at a wedding, he was, in a sense, putting his stamp on what God had begun in the very beginning of human history. So marriage is invented by God. Therefore, it's a very serious thing. It's something that we have to take seriously. And of course, we all know this in our culture, we have not done that. And we have not even done that in the church. We know that as well. Even in some cases in the church, people just go in and out of marriage. And, but this is obviously the wrong approach because God invented it and it is a very serious thing. And it calls, as Jesus makes clear here, in the next couple of verses, it calls for fidelity. And so Jesus said in verse 11, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. If a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So Jesus says that this is a very serious matter and to violate the fidelity in the marriage is to actually break the command. And remember, uh, the Ten Commandments contain the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. So, but why did God create marriage? Well, God created marriage for a number of reasons. And I'll just mention three uh, or four. Um, He created marriage as a place where we could experience a certain level of love a unique level of love. You know, from the biblical picture, marriage is, is a good thing. It's good. It's God's good gift to people. So to experience love, to know companionship, 
Now, companionship, of course, is like a partnership. It's people joined together, working together, helping, supporting one another with the goal of fulfillment and joy and, and those kinds of things. So love, companionship, and friendship. There's a difference between companionship and friendship. Now you can be a, somebody's companion in one sense, but not necessarily have a deep friendship. But the friendship part is something that's important, and God wants us to experience that, that depth of friendship within marriage. I always say to people who are thinking about getting married, make sure you're best friends. That's, that's what you want as the foundation of your marriage. So there's love, there's companionship, there's friendship. And as we read on in the passage, there's family. There's children. And so we go naturally into this incident where the children are being brought to Jesus. And, and the children are the, are the fruit. Remember when God called uh, Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. So reproduction, children being born, this is, this is all part of the, of the picture. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. Sometimes people can't have children and all of that. And there's, that's not wrong or bad. It's just the way it is in a fallen world. But God's primary objective here was to procreate. And the two become one flesh, Boy, sometimes I, I look at my kids and I think, wow, there's a living example right there of the two becoming one flesh. One thing they say sounds just like their mother. Other thing they say sounds just like me. <laughs> it's like, wow, there it is. What, you know, they're, they're one, both of us combined. But this is the whole point here. Now, remember, these guys are coming to Jesus and they want a way out of marriage. They want to justify themselves in divorcing their wives. But the whole thing that, that Jesus is pointing them back to is you guys, you have the whole, you just have a completely wrong picture. God brought this into existence as a blessing. That's what it is. It's a blessing. God wants to bless you through it. And he wants to bless you with love. He wants to bless you with companionship. He wants to bless you with friendship. He wants to bless you with a family. And those are the blessings that come with marriage. Now, here's an important question that is asked a lot today, especially important in the context of the church. Is marriage God's best for people? In other words, every Christian or every person who comes to faith in Jesus who is not married is the next thing on the agenda for them to get married? Or is that the ultimate goal? Now, for some, yes. For some, yes, because that's God's will. God has a plan, and he's going to bring two people together, and through that union, he's going to bring other life and so forth. And so, yes, marriage is God's best for some people. But we would have to say for others, the answer is no. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because there has been, in some senses, in the Christian culture, a little bit of 
I think unintentional for the most part, but, but a little bit of idolizing marriage and, and sort of just thinking like, well, you know, you've got to be married. And if you're a Christian, you're not married. Something's wrong with you. And, you know, wow, what, you're 40 years old and you're not married yet? What's, what's going on? And, oh, let's pray for you. And, hey, let me try to find you a wife or a husband or, and, and that, that kind of thing. Like I said, I think it's unintentional, but I think sometimes we've misunderstood. Not everyone's called to be married. And God blesses people outside of marriage in wonderful ways. And this is where we have to understand that the church, you see, the things that married people can find in marriage, but not exclusively in marriage. We need to find it beyond that as well. But the things that married people find in marriage are the things that unmarried people are to be able to find in the church. See, because God's picture of the church is a family. God's picture of the church is a place where you come and you, you inherit fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers and children and aunts and uncles and, and those kinds of things. You know, there, there are some people in the church that are never going to get married. Some of them have no desire. Some of them have no opportunity. Some of them struggle with desires for the same sex and they recognize that this is not right and therefore they're never going to succumb to that. They're going to live a, a sanctified, holy life sexually. But they still have needs. They have emotional needs. They have needs for deep friendship and companionship and love and those kinds of things. And this is where the church comes in to make up for those areas where there's a lack. And let's not forget that the Lord Jesus was single. And let's not forget that the Apostle Paul was single. And not only was Paul single, he encouraged singleness. He said, look, I'm not trying to, you know, put any kind of a trip on you, but the single person is way less distracted when it comes to serving the Lord. The married person has natural obligations. So Paul's sort of plea in 1 Corinthians 7 is that more people would consider that living the way he's living is, as far as impact for the Lord, you can be more impactful. So, how can a person be fulfilled if they're not married? Well, like I said, life in the family of God, that's where those kinds of things come together. Now, I want to close because the point that I'm making here, like I said, is this whole picture of these relationships And remember, God is a relational God by nature. He's triune. There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. For all eternity, God has lived in this communion between these three persons. And now he creates human beings to experience that same kind of communion, that same kind of community amongst ourselves. But but just this whole picture of, of family and this whole picture of 
just the idea of, of all of us being together and, and being blessed and, and enjoying one another and life and all of those things. That's God's plan. And all those sin has screwed everything up. Jesus came to reverse all of that. And one day, it's all gonna be sorted out. But in the meantime, we have the church and we have the power of the spirit and God's word to instruct us where we can actually experience on some level those things that are yet to come. But let me read you a passage that describes what is yet to come. Thus says the Lord, Zechariah 8, 3 through 5. I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, listen to this, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with their staff in their hand because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing there. This to me is so amazing because this is God's picture of a great, great day. And you know what? I agree with God. What a great day to just sit on the porch and just have a good old time and watch the kids playing out in the street and no fear, no danger, no threat, no nothing, just joy. That's what God intended when he created in the beginning, male and female, be fruitful and multiply. God intended to just bring a whole massive family into existence so that we could spend our lives and eternity together, enjoying one another and enjoying him. One day, because of what Jesus did, and will yet do, the whole world will become one great big family picnic. That's where we're going, to a great big family picnic. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And, and just to, in closing, just to say again, all this, again, the, the, these Pharisees are pushing against, you know, this restriction. Moses said we could get out of this. Jesus was like, you guys don't even, you have no idea what you're even, what, what are you doing? God brought this into existence to bless you. And you're fighting against it. And, and so is every person today. Everyone today who says, I don't want to do it God's way. I don't like that this is the way it is. And why did God make me like this if there's a God? I don't believe in God. And all of that pushing against, what does it create? It just creates strife and contention and misery. And you know what happens when you surrender all of that, when you let go of that, when you just recognize, no, God knows what he's doing, and you submit to that? Man, life gets way better. So don't resist. Don't come up with little loopholes to try to get out of what God said. Do what God said and 
you'll be happy you did. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Embodied, Transgender Identities, the Church and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle. What does it mean to be male or female? Is it okay for a male to act feminine or a female to act masculine? Can someone be born in the wrong body and have the soul of another sex? How can I love my trans neighbor, friend, or child in a manner that honors Jesus? Although the topic of transgenderism has been largely avoided, mishandled, or misunderstood by the church, Preston Sprinkle addresses these very questions on a biblical and scientific basis, and he does so with a compassion that has been informed by the voices, needs, and concerns from the people within the trans community. The book embodied transgender identities, the church and what the Bible has to say by Preston Sprinkle is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.